You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schliff. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. The happiest of Saturdays to you all. I made a very, very, very good decision, a couple good decisions yesterday. Uh, Number one, I decided to pay for the premium subscription to uh, SpotTrack, which I already had over the cap, now I did SpotTrack, and it just opened up a flood of not just information, but different things I could do. And so, great decision number two, I turned over to the Facebook group and I said, look, somebody give me something to think about. Like, give me some direction. Now... It was a great decision. Unfortunately, it gave me like, what, about 30 good ideas? So it just it started all over again. It actually made things a little bit worse, and now I don't have any direction. But I need to do that more often because there are some fantastic questions, stuff I never thought to look at. So first of all, make sure you are in the Facebook group. Um, it's going to take me a long time to get through these questions, so keep adding to it. I'll probably pin that to the top so we can keep this thing going, or maybe I'll just ask it again some other time. I took down every single one of them and took them, uh, put them in my notes to look at at some point. Unfortunately, I, I kept like starting one, and then I wanted to look at another one and another one. So uh, got to get a little bit more focused. But yeah, this is going to take me a while to get through some great, great questions. Second of all, thank you all very, very much. Um, I, I talk about Patreon a lot and how that's going to help the podcast. I am very stingy, and I don't like spending money at times, but. Um, it's there, and it needs to go somewhere, although I have to save up for stuff like PFF, which is extremely expensive. But it gives me the opportunity to be able to get these kinds of things so that I can bring 
that next level of content. So thank you all very much. I've got a couple different subscriptions that I've been able to pay for, um, draft-related, contract-related, whatever. And so thank you all very much for your support on Patreon for uh, for allowing me to do that. And, and look, if there's something else that you think, hey, here's a thing that you should look at or whatever, this place has some great resources, but I don't want to pay for it. I want you to pay for it and tell me the answer. Just let me know. If it sounds interesting, I might do it. I said might, though, because you get down that rabbit hole. There's no end to how many places have subscription-based information. But speaking of Patreon, thanks very much to J-Boy and Gordo, which, by the way, thank you, the last <laughs> the last three people that gave. So if we go back four and five donations ago, we got Sean and Bob. Since then, we got Wombat Mode, J-Boy, and Gordo. Loving those names. Although Gordo's bringing back some bad memories. <laughs> Went to a heavily Hispanic school and had a little bit of a weight problem so you know word gordo is it's got some deep meaning in my life (laughs) but anyways thanks you guys for your support we are at 79 patrons so i'm hoping that before the end of the month we can get to 21 more people if and when we get there determine that we will Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One donor is going to win the giveaway, which is going to be you deciding on a Packers design to put on a t-shirt. I'm going to go out and have it designed for you, put on a t-shirt, and sent to you. So anyways, get in the group, like the page, subscribe, rate, review, that whole thing. Why don't we take a break and we'll talk about a couple different things that popped up in the Facebook group and uh, maybe a couple other notes. I don't know if you know this or not, but this spring, if you got a little time, There's going to be a meeting of 15 different baseball teams where they all get together and play baseball. So if you've never been to the Silicon Desert, this might be a great opportunity to go check it out. 10 stadiums, 15 teams, great weather. You get to meet some of these players, grab a few autographs for the kids or for you. And if you're not into that, just get it anyways and put it on eBay. You know, I'm not here to judge you. I just want you to have a good, I just want you to have your best life, man. And then between games, after games, before games, you get to explore the city. Live music, museums, aquariums, and just natural landscapes that you can just go walk around in. But be kind of careful, because it's like one of those natural landscapes that maybe you should explore with a tour guide. Just saying. But if you're ready to plan your spring training getaway, go to visitarizona.com slash spring training. So a little bit of news on the CBA update. Sounds like pretty much everybody really wants to get this done and I also get the impression that for the most part there are just some players that are digging their heels in saying no or you know very against 17 games which was kind of the assumption going forward in fact when they found out a lot of players were for it or at least receptive to it that was kind of the surprise but not surprisingly not everybody is into it apparently one of the things being talked about is that if there's a 17 game season it's not going to happen until somewhere between 2021 and 2023 just to give some people some opportunities to maybe renegotiate some contracts most people have contracts you know that 
don't necessarily go through 2023. Because that is kind of a negative, right? You negotiated a contract based on 16 games. So although everybody's pretty adequately compensated from the standpoint of, you know, most people in the country's wages, it's still like you're, you're playing an extra game and you get nothing else for it. And you can see why some people would be like, nah, sorry. So they got to kind of work through that. There is a talk, obviously, about a raise in the uh, the revenue share to players, so them making more money. There was talk a while ago about how gambling, they're talking about how TV deals would raise the amount of money players get. Some of that, by the way, is, is talking about uh, salary cap. But one of the things I heard about, I think, last year was the gambling aspect is much more important than the TV deals. And the fact that that's starting to expand across all the states and how much money that's going to ultimately bring in, I have to assume that's part of the negotiations and that that could explode the salary cap. But I don't know if they're really talking about that much. But the fact of the matter is this is a 10-year deal. So if they're not negotiating on behalf of, look, there's a lot of gambling money that's going to be flowing into the NFL, so we should be getting a piece of that. I just, I find that hard to believe. In 10 years? Come on. But this is a deal that's going to run through 2029, which is probably part of the reason why this is such a hard negotiation. If this were, you know, a one, two, three-year deal, you can kind of put up with some stuff. But 10 years, pretty much everybody that's in the NFL, this is the only contract you're ever going to see. Even if you're a rookie, you're probably not going to see the end of this. But um, pretty excited to see that get finished. We don't want to see a stoppage or any other kind of crazy stuff or lapses or any of that kind of nonsense. Hopefully it gets done. Um, they were discussing probably there will just be an option. So even when this is, gets done, there's not going to be a definitive, yes, we're moving to 17 games. It'll be an option of, you know, we could possibly move to 17, which, of course, is just that little little crack in the door the NFL wants so that they can burst through it and say, boom, here's 17. But it won't be anything definitive when we first hear about it. The biggest thing I want to hear, though, is what's the salary cap and when does that take place, with the, the boost in the salary cap. Um, otherwise, XFL, again, don't want to spend too much time talking about it because people don't like it some people however just a reminder we got football today man the xfl is crazy the funny thing is i'm reading articles trying to get explanations about how stuff works and i'm seeing articles from like january 9th saying they're still trying to work through some stuff like what like so far they don't think there's going to be field goals like well do they have goal posts because they got to get on that if they're contemplating it but they're probably playing an NFL stadium, so they'll be there if they want to use them. But today at 1 o'clock Central, you got the Seattle Dragons. When when it's abbreviated, it's Sea Dragons, which is really a lot more lame. They should not have gone to Seattle. I mean, a Sea Dragon? It's dumb. This is it like Loch Ness Monster? No, dude, it's a dragon. Whatever. They're going up against the D.C. Defenders. I'm like 90% going to be a Vipers fan, but I don't, you know, I'd be willing to change it. DC Defenders, you got the whole Patriot Patriots, not not the team Patriot, but like patriotic angle. Vipers are in Tampa, which is why I like them. St. Louis is a Midwestern team, so maybe, but it's also St. Louis, and I don't... Eh. Got two Texas teams, could be cool. The only ones I think I refuse are Seattle Dragons, LA Wildcats, and New York Guardians, because why? But anyways, Sea Dragons and DC Defenders today. And then after that, uh, at 4 o'clock, you got the L.A. Wildcats and the Houston Roughnecks. Both of those are going to be on regular TV, so if you're like me without cable, you get to watch it. Tomorrow, you got the Vipers and the Guardians. That'll be at 1, and then in the 4 o'clock game will be St. Louis Battlehawks and Dallas Renegades. So from what I understand, it's going to be a little bit like AFL. We're going to be able to hear inside the helmets, which is always kind of cool. I don't believe there's any field goals or extra points. And so you're going to be scoring touchdowns, and then you have the opportunity to score either one, two, or three points based on if you want to go, I think, from the two, the five, or the ten. 
trying to get a touchdown, basically. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm excited because I want it to work, because I want something to be excited about football-related. But uh, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to work. Anyways, before everybody turns this off, let's move on to the NFL. So turning now to the questions that were from the Facebook group, my question to you all was, what's something you'd love to get some clarity on? Jeff responded, women. Obviously, I'm not the right person to answer this because nobody's the right person to answer this. But let me give you something for, for the youngsters out there. Something like, you know, five years is what I got in. For five years, I tried to be the man of the house. I'm not going to just, you know, all, all the advice from the old guys is just, you know, say sorry, do what she, you know, all, all that stuff. Just do whatever she says. It's like, why, why would you let somebody just tell you what to do? It's not about man, woman, any of that stuff. Like, I'm, 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 I'm a free man. I do what I want. I mean, we'll work together on some stuff, but you're not going to just boss me around tell me what to do. And if I'm right, I'm right, and I'm going to tell you I'm right, I'm going to put my foot down. And I put my foot down on everything, and I had a miserable life. So to keep it short, don't be a hero. Say you're sorry. Do what you're told. Just you can be prideful in every area of your life, just not that one. Learn to kill that part of your pride that says, I'm not going to let her tell me what to do. Just take it out back and shoot it dead. You'll just be happier. That's all I can tell you. And then take that ego and pride and everything and just just build it up somewhere else. Tear it down over here. Build it up somewhere else. Take up boxing and just go find somebody and pummel them. I don't I don't know what to tell you, but that's it. And also, I know you're not going to take that advice because most guys are going to be exactly like me and like, nope, sorry, I'm not going to do that. And then you're just going to suffer until you realize to just just let it go, man. If you say two plus two is four and she says actually it's six, just say, oh yeah, you're right, and move on with your life. But anyways, as I said in the question, try to keep it somewhat football-related. The first question I locked into that was football-related was from Jack Schaefer. He said he wants to know why Jimmy G isn't anything special, says he's talking to a friend and he needs to know some specific stats. It's not the first time I've had somebody in the midst of an argument say, quick, I need some backup. The problem is, and I do this every time, when somebody says Jimmy G, who, who do you think I'm thinking of? I have a Packers podcast. We have somebody on this team known as Jimmy G. So I spent 20 minutes looking up why Jimmy Graham is not that special, which was a surprising question because I feel like $10 million for Jimmy Graham, I don't know why you're even having struggling through this argument. So I did both. I looked at Jimmy Graham as well as Jimmy Garoppolo. So here's the biggest thing with, with Jimmy Graham. And I, I, again, I know a lot of this is self-explanatory, but let me elaborate on where I'm at with him. Because there, there have been some people who have come along... For example, and again, I don't like to name specifics because I don't like to go at people like that, but some people have popped up on the Twitters and have said things like, well, his yards per reception is actually pretty high, as if that means anything. So if we start with that yards per reception, it's true Jimmy Graham isn't that bad on the list. He's he's eighth, depending on how you sort this thing, or, or filter it, I should say. 11.8 yards per reception. Here, here's the biggest problem I have with that particular argument. So what? Yards per reception is one of those stats that there's so many variables, it doesn't really mean anything. Remember, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is is dominant, is one of the best in yards per reception. That has no bearing on how good of a wide receiver he is. It only has to do with when you catch a ball, on average, how far away from the quarterback are you? And that could be for a lot of reasons. It could be because you're just really fast and nothing else. It could be because you're terrible close to the line of scrimmage. We're never going to use you on screens, slants, you know, all these things that usually you catch close to the line of scrimmage, which, by the way, 
there's a lot of guys like Randall Cobb that probably have a very low yards per reception. You know, maybe not today's Randall Cobb, but going back to real premium Randall Cobb, most of his catches were, what, six yards away from the line of scrimmage? Was he a bad wide receiver? Of course not. He had a ton of catches, ton of critical catches, a bunch of first down conversions. And also, think about this. When you are a goal line person, whether you're a wide receiver, tight end, whatever, typically, how far away from the line of scrimmage are you when you're catching a touchdown pass? What is it, a five-yard toss, six yards? And there's no yards after the catch for that. So there's a lot of positive and negative variables that go into why your yards per reception would be as big as they are. And there might be a little bit of overlap, right? Some of the better tight ends have higher yards per reception. George Kittle is seventh. Travis Kelsey is fifth, right? Max Williams is second. He's pretty solid, underappreciated. But Noah Fant was number one. Noah Fant is not the number one tight end. He was okay, but Noah Fant is an extremely athletic, basically a wide receiver type of tight end, so that's kind of what you use him for. There's also Hale Hentges. I've never heard of this man in my life. Henches, Washington Redskins, tight end, 12.9 yards per reception. Janu Smith. So it, 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 there's not a direct correlation, so so what? At the end of the day, this is a guy who had 38 receptions for 447 yards and three touchdowns and was the has the highest average annual contract of any tight end in football. And if we're looking at highest average, average annual contract, depend, let's say looking at yards, if you're looking at yardage as your, your marker, there's two tight ends that deserve 10 in Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Travis Kelsey had 1,200 yards. George Kittle had 1,000. After that, it drops down to 700. So if we're going to go from there, you know, maybe like seven, eight million would be Tyler Higby. Six to seven million would be Dallas Goddard. Five, six million for Mike Kosicki and Noah Fant. Then you get down into the 400s, four or five million. That's just if you're looking at yards. If you're looking at touchdowns, Kyle Rudolph had six. He had the most. So you give Kyle Rudolph 10. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Dallas Goddard had five. Uh, Mike Kosicki had five. Jack Doyle, Cameron Brait had four. Then you had a bunch of bu- a pile of guys at three. So the, there's just no metric you can look at that says he's deserving of the most, even with yards per reception. But here, here's the biggest thing. Here's the absolute biggest thing. If you're getting a premium c- contract, what should you absolutely 100,000% expect? My expectation from a tight end who gets a premium contract is that you are a starter in every game. Travis Kelsey played in 16 games. You know how many games he started in? 16. Kyle Rudolph played in 16 games. You know how many he started in? 16. Jack Doyle, 16 of 16. Vance McDonald, 14 of 14. These are high-priced, high-dollar guys. Jimmy Graham played in 16 games. He started in 10. He started in 10 of 16 games. I'm not talking injury. I'm talking about 16 games he played in. Only 10 times he was designated as a starter. That is wildly unacceptable. If you're getting $10 million as a tight end, you start every single game. So for anybody that's on the fence about Jimmy, maybe he isn't that bad, I promise you, this is a guy that was deserving of maybe 4 or $5 bucks. He was fine. He did okay. If for a 4 or $5 million tight end, I'm not complaining. $10 million, goodbye. Again, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, the only guys that should be getting 10 or at this point maybe $11, 12000000 Whenever George Kittle gets his big contract, it'll probably be 12 13-ish million, whatever. And deservedly so. But anyways, Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bit more, and and I'm going to be doing, there's a lot of questions about the 49ers. So I'm going to be going a little bit more in depth on this. There's a lot of talk about maybe they're about to completely fall off. Obviously a ton of talk about Jimmy Garoppolo not being that good of a quarterback. Um, Questions about their salary cap. Are they about to completely implode? So I'll I'll dig in a little bit more on that at a later time. But um, 
because I was specifically asked about this and thought I was answering a question about Jimmy Graham, I figured I would answer the exact question. So this one's a little bit trickier. Because the fact of the matter is, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the highest paid quarterback, so you can't judge him from that standard. Now, when he got his contract, it seemed ridiculous, right? He, he got paid, what was that? That was in uh, 2018. So in 2018, this guy that had never really played as a starter before gets handed a contract worth $27.5 million. Now, today, we're, we're talking about guys that are going to be getting $35, $36, million. So $27.5 isn't that much. He's still the sixth highest paid, but I mean, everybody that's getting a contract is going to be passing him. So Matt Ryan signed a $30 million deal. Carson Wentz, 32. Jared Goff and Aaron Rodgers, 33 and a half. Russell Wilson just signed a $35 million contract. You might be seeing Tom Brady pass that. Mahomes obviously is going to blow that out of the water. Dak's going to be getting more than that. So again, you got to come at it from the standpoint of, and I, you know, the, the, I would try to be as, as specific as possible with your questions because it's it's always kind of tricky how to answer something like he's not that good or the exact question was why jimmy g isn't anything special well i mean we if we look at it from completion percentage which is pretty impressive he was second in the league in completion percentage now you can kind of question that say well he had easier throw right mitch trubisky i think in 20 2018 his his stats all went up and one of them was his completion percentage but when you look in depth at the when pff does their breakdown of you know how far away and all this stuff a lot of his passes were really close to the line of scrimmage so that kind of changes things up but i mean 69 percent is really impressive aaron Rodgers was 12th in that metric at 62 percent if you look at passer rating jimmy garoppolo was fourth at 102.03 pat mahomes russell wilson and drew Brees were the only ones higher aaron Rodgers was one spot behind him at 95.39 yardage jimmy garoppolo just about 4,000, just a hair behind aaron Rodgers in that metric Touchdowns, Jimmy Garoppolo was tied for second with 27 touchdowns. Russell Wilson had 31. The only real negative that he has is he has a lot of interceptions. He had 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Carson Wentz had 27 and 7. Drew Brees had 27 and 4. But here's the thing I think with Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I understand the argument that he's not an elite quarterback, but I don't think anyone's making that case. I think instead what we're seeing is a lot of people are down on Jimmy Garoppolo because they saw the last two performances he played and they saw that they didn't trust the ball in Jimmy's hand. They wanted to run the ball. And I think there's a little bit of recency bias there. And again, it depends what exactly your question is. Is he an elite quarterback? I don't think he is. Is he a bad quarterback? You see a ton of articles and questions. Can they win with Jimmy Garoppolo? Dude, he's he's one of the top quarterbacks in just about every metric. And the idea that they never put the ball in his hands, again, he was one of the he, he had a ton of yardage. He was second in touchdowns. Very high passer rating, very high completion percentage. But I think, you know, if you look at the playoffs, for example, he he was third from the bottom in completion percentage at 63%. Russell Wilson 63, Pat Mahomes 64, Aaron Rodgers 71, Drew Brees 78. Puncher Brett Kern was 100%. If you look at passer rating, he dropped to 75.86. Touchdowns, two. Interceptions, three. So so Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play very well in the postseason. But I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a concern the same way it's a concern for every quarterback that gets to the postseason and doesn't do as well. But then we got to levy the same thing about Lamar Jackson. Lamar was second lowest of anybody in, in passer rating. Just one spot ahead of Tom Brady, who we know can do whatever he can do in, in the postseason. Lamar was second lowest in completion percentage. And the point is, I don't think many people are saying this. Some people are saying it about Lamar. But the point is, most people are are being gracious towards Lamar 
and I think they're being a little too hard on Jimmy Garoppolo. So again, it depends exactly what your question is. I don't think he's that bad. In fact, again, in the regular season, he had some of the best stats of anybody. Um, I would say he's an above-average kind of quarterback if you look at PFF grades. He's not elite. He doesn't belong in the same category as Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. But but I think he's a good enough quarterback. And again, I think most of the hate just comes from the the folks that see a, a, a collapse in the postseason and a team that did not even want to lean on him at all and basically just ripped the ball out of his hands and said, see, he can't do it. But there's one other metric, and I wanted to do this by myself, but Track was kind enough to do it for me. And I might still do it myself anyways just to see what numbers I come up with. But one of the questions I've always had is, how do we find value? What is a good metric for value? In other words, let's look at how good of a, of a player you are. And then look at your contract and how much money you make to try to determine how much value you bring. Now, they used PFF, and I don't know exactly how, but that's what they did, and then looked at the contract information and came up with what they call TVS. Again, I can't provide a lot of of insight into what they did, and I will try to do this on my own. But based on that metric, and this is probably the best information I can give you in terms of telling your friend off, Jimmy Garoppolo ranked 21st in TVS, which is value. Not how good or bad you are, but how valuable you are when you look at your contract and your how much value you brought. So obviously you got Lamar Jackson, number one, dominated, and he's got an average salary of $2.3 million. But even high-dollar guys, in case this comes up in your argument, well, it's just because he makes a lot of money. Well, Drew Brees was sixth on this list at $25 million. Russell Wilson was seventh, making $35 million. So that's not necessarily the case. You can make a good amount of money and still be high on this list. Jimmy Garoppolo was 21st. And hilariously, Mitch Trubisky was 25th, only averaging $7.2 million. (laughs) You're not making any money, and you're still not worth it. And for those interested, uh, Aaron Rodgers, they put at 18th, making $33.5 million on average. And I don't know if they're even using average salary. They they might be using something else. Maybe they're looking at total cash for the year. I don't know. But anyways, that's the value that they came up with. Anyways, I hope that helped. And again, I'll, I'll be looking to do a little bit of a deeper dive. I, I tend to think the 49ers are going to be pretty good for a long time, but I haven't looked at their contract situation. I generally disagree with the idea that their defense is going to collapse the way the Bears did, but again, haven't really looked at it closely. I'll have to do that. We shall see. Um, I saw something interesting. They had posted Vegas odds. Somebody did. And, and Vegas isn't, by the way, one entity. So I don't know where they got this from, but the, we'll call it consensus Vegas odds. And I thought it was a little bit interesting. Um because they're not really big buyers on the NFC North, and they are kind of buyers on some other team. And so again, this is something else that I'm going to look a little bit deeper into as to why they would assume such things, but they have the Packers winning 9.5 wins, which isn't bad. You look at anybody over nine and a half wins, it's mostly pretty solid teams. The Seattle Seahawks only have nine. They got this 49ers at 10 and a half, the Saints at 10, Kansas City at 11 and a half, Baltimore at 11, the Patriots at 10 and a half. I, I mean, if Tom's not going to be there, I don't think so. I know they got a good defense, but yeah. But the one I think is really interesting is the fact that they have the Eagles at 10 wins, and that's just weird to me. But in the NFC North, they have the Packers at 9.5, the Vikings at 9.5, the Bears at 8, and the Lions at 6.5. So they have it as a pretty tight race between the Packers, the Vikings, and the Bears. It's also the closest race of any division with the exception of the AFC South where they have the Titans and the Texans at 8.5 wins. And again, the, the biggest reason I bring it up is I, I tend to believe Vegas because they're not biased. They can't be. When your job is to manage millions and millions and millions of dollars, you tend to be very good at your job. 
And so I'm going to look at Vegas odds a lot sooner than I'm going to look at, uh, you know, the, the Chicago Tribune or whatever. But I will say it's a little bit frustrating when you look at some of these other teams and how much of a drop they give the Packers. 13-win team, and they have them at 9.5. And, and, and again, 9.5 is generous. It's over 8. It's a winning record. But that's a pretty big drop. The Vikings won 10 games, and they have them at 9.5. The Saints were 13-3. and three. They only dropped them down to 10. So, obviously, Vegas is buying into the narrative that the Packers are in for a bit of a decline. And, again, I, I think it's possible. But I also believe very, very strongly that uh, Brian Gutekunst and the Packers are going to load up. I think they are going to be drafting wide receivers, and I think they're probably going to be looking at free agency as well for wide receiver, largely because I think the Packers do a good job of taking advantage of what the draft is offering. And what the draft is offering, especially early on, is tackles and wide receivers. That doesn't mean somebody isn't going to fall because everyone else is going to load up on what the, the, the draft is giving them, but they're a best player available team. And when there's a lot of something, you can expect them to get it. There were a lot of pass rushers last year. They didn't even need pass rushers, but they drafted them because they felt it was the best player available. There was a lot of really good talent at at, um, at edge rusher. And when that happens, generally talent falls a little bit because there's, there's more talent than there is a need, and it starts to fall. And so I think they're going to get some really premium value at wide receiver, and I think they're going to pull the trigger. And so you bolster this a little bit. And, and the, the real question is, what if this offense takes off? The defense already isn't bad. The biggest problem the Packers had was that they couldn't get in sync. The offense was pretty mediocre, and if the offense could be decent and the defense could be good, they could win the game. And a lot of times the defense carried the team and, and ended up just, again, talking about setting that low bar for the offense to get over. And the offense was good enough to be able to get over that bar. But what a lot of the dominant teams had is they had a defense that set a low bar, and they had an offense that set a low bar for the defense, right? The Baltimore Ravens were ridiculous. Basically, the offense was telling the defense, look, if you can hold them to like under 28, we're good. I'm making up the numbers, but it was something like this. And the defense was saying, look, you get over 20 and we're going to win. So, you know, both sides set real easy standards for the other side of the ball. And both sides very easily overcame the obstacles. So if the Packers could get something like that going, again, the defense set the bar at about 24 points. They usually, they, they've almost never let a team go over 24 points. Obviously, there was the collapse in the playoffs, but also only three games in the regular season where they allowed over 24 points. And so you bolster up that offense a little bit. And defensively, it really just comes down to the fact that the teams that beat the Packers are teams that are very good up front. If you're not very good up front, which a lot of the teams weren't, the, the Packers are just going to assault you. Right, they're going to come at you real hard. And the Packers played a lot of bad offensive lines, but when they play top-tier offensive lines like the 49ers, Chargers are a terrible example. They have a horrible offensive line. But the 49ers and the Eagles, where they have these very good offensive lines but also cohesive units that are really cerebral and orchestrated, they've got the timing down, They, they got and it just catches the Packers off, off guard and, and messes everything up. But bolster that a little bit. Get, get you a guy like Raekwon or just a, a, a run stuffer, a guy that's just going to blow up an offensive lineman and ruin the choreography of it. Just get in there, grab the guy in front of you, and throw him on his back, and it throws everything off. An attacking linebacker and a good defensive lineman, and that, that defense, you know, it's not perfect, but it takes away that one thing that, that certain teams can just always beat the Packers. 49ers are always going to beat the Packers until they fix that. The Eagles are going to have the upper hand against the Packers unless they fix that. But I, I trust their ability to find somebody. And again, defensive tackles, you get the real good ones in the first round, but when we looked at it, you can also find them throughout the later round. So almost you know, very top-heavy in the first round, but also a lot of depth. You can find them later. Just you got a real your best shot is first round. After that, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, they're out there, undrafted free agents. You can get them. And the Packers have seen that. They've had guys that are late-round guys that have contributed. You know, Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark playing next to each other is the perfect example of that. 
But again, I, I, I can see all sides of this, but I could also see a massive, massive improvement from this team. Just get a really dominant weapon outside of Devontae. Get a defensive tackle and a linebacker to help that defensive front to assault the run game. And I, I just think 13 wins is... Well, I, I don't ever want to predict 13 wins because it doesn't matter how good you are. It's hard to get to 13. But 11, extremely doable. And, you know, looking forward at this thing, obviously the 49ers are coming back. I, I have a feeling that's going to be early on in the schedule. So getting that defensive line and linebacker kind of squared away so that they can't just sit back and run the ball all the time and to force them to throw, that that's all they had to do. And if they can do that, they can win that game. As much as it seems impossible, and we don't want to have to go back out there, it's going to be a different game if you just sit back and let them throw. And similarly, go out and get a couple extra weapons, and it, it, it can be a, a complete 180 there. Otherwise, I mean, who are we super worried about? The Bears' offensive line isn't what it was. The Vikings' offensive line isn't very good. The Texans' offensive line is a joke. I mean, they, they still got free agency in the draft. Buccaneers don't have a good offensive line. The Lions' offensive line is deteriorating. The Colts have a good guard, and they've made some strides along the offensive line, but it's, I don't think it's on that elite status level. Do have to play the Eagles again, but that's going to be at home, although I think it was last time too. Either way, again, got to beat them up. Falcons, Vikings, Jaguars, Panthers, Lions, Titans. So, the, you know, again, the question being, which of these teams is the kind that you don't want to go up against? As far as next year's opponents, I think it just comes down to the Eagles, Colts, 49ers and Saints maybe, Titans maybe. A lot of these teams, like most teams, which is why the Packers did pretty well, aren't teams that have dominant run-blocking offensive line. Most teams just don't have that. Jaguars don't have it. Bears don't have it. Panthers don't have it. Vikings don't have it, although they're getting there. But again, I I, I, I just see a couple little tweaks to make a big difference. I'm not going to repeat it because I don't want to talk in circles too much. But I'm, I'm very excited, man. I'm excited for the... the free agency period i'm excited to see some of these extensions and what that does to our salary cap are we going to free up some money not with free agents but extensions um i'm i'm I, I i'm just an admirer of brian gutekunst and i like to see him where him and russ ball working together it's a thing of beauty man i'm excited to dig into it i'm excited to do a little more work in the draft in fact today's goal is to watch wide receivers and i'm just going to watch a bunch of them i told you about donovan peoples jones very excited about him it's funny because i just listened to the the draft network and uh, they were just talking about it. Kyle Krabs was asking Joe Marino if he'd watched Donovan Peoples-Jones yet. And Marino hadn't, and he's like, dude, this guy's solid. So I'm glad I'm not alone on that. If you haven't watched him yet, go watch him. I think he's incredibly impressive. And if we grab him, like, in the second round, whew, super excited. But I'm going to be watching that. Tomorrow I'm going to be telling you what I saw. Also, I've got a really awesome project that I want to do. I'm not sure exactly how to do it. Some of my ex- i got some good Excel people out there. If you wouldn't mind hitting me up. The goal is very simple. I'm going to go on Excel, which is Google Sheets. I'm going to list out all the free agents. On a separate sheet, I'm going to list out all the draft prospects. And you are going to come in, and you're going to have your own column, and you're going to put your stamp on guys that you like. So you're going to make a bunch of different predictions. Who do you like and think is going to be a good pro? Who do you think the Packers are going to bring on? Who do you dislike? And, and basically, you're just going to go in and put your stamp down and make a bunch of predictions, but we're going to put it in stone. Not so we can go back and say, ha-ha, you're dumb. But just for fun and just so that we can claim it and have clout and do all this stuff. And also, if you want to run your mouth later about stuff I know and how smart you are and everything else, if I feel like it, I can go back and say, yeah, but you also said this, dummy, so be quiet. But that's that's a secondary thing. The primary thing is this is going to be a lot of fun. My only concern and why I don't just do it right now is if I make everybody eligible to edit everything, I'm worried somebody's going to come in there and just ruin the whole document and mess everything up. 
but I'm hoping that won't happen. But keep your eyes open for that. We'll see how much time I have today. That's something I really want to get done quickly because I think that'll be fun for everybody to be able to put your stamp down and say who you like, who you think they're going to sign or whatever, and just kind of go from there. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.